Greeting friends and colleagues. Welcome to the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast, the Professional Educator's Thought Partner, a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. I am Scott Lee. Today, I share a conversation I had with children's book author and jewelry crafter Isela Orendando. As a child, Isela found literature to be liberating, and she shares with us how, as an author, she wants to share her experiences to help children understand difficult experiences. But she also uses jewelry making as a way to support cancer survivors and use crafts as a way to promote healing. We will start our conversation discussing this work and then find out more about her children's book, I Will Always Be Right Here, as well as her education experiences as a U.S. immigrant. Thank you, Azela, for joining us on the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast today. Thank you very, very much for having me on board. It's, it's a real pleasure. So, Isela, can you tell us a little bit about your craft and visual arts work and uh, a little bit about what you do through the Artist Within Foundation? Yes, it'd be my pleasure. So in regards to my craft and my community work, I utilize it to teach the community like it was taught to me. Um, in 2004, I actually learned this craft through my a family member at the time, and, and it was really interesting the conversations that we were about that that we had and the healing that we began and the unity and the bond that one I thought was there but grew to such an amazing precious bond and that was through the jewelry making so when I first came to Chattanooga I believe it was in 2000 and either 11 or 12 I, I became affiliated with the heart gallery um, or signal centers, as it's known. And we began teaching classes at the partnership, the same thing, teaching the women how to make jewelry, how to take different pieces, sometimes broken pieces, and create a new thing, a new you, and a new hope. And it was through the jewelry making that people were able to see that they were good at something. So it was extremely important to teach them a craft that they can also in turn make money themselves with so that if if a situation brought them or took them to a different place they could still sustain themselves and with that in mind and then we took this a little bit further and we went to the family justice center and so we're also doing that for them as well and it it has been an amazing experience to see someone who's been affected by um, domestic violence, someone who currently is a tad broken themselves and feels like um, they can't put one in one and, and make something beautiful. And what something as simple as a pair of earrings that they can give to somebody that, that they cherish or appreciate, it, it changes their, their perspective. It changes everything. I recall this one experience. I, I might have I might have been like 25 years old when this happened. I was donating at the time um, at different shelters for battered women. And I remember distinctly a client who was battered and, you know, had a broken nose, you know, black eyes. And I remember giving her a pair of earrings and she put them on. And then later before I left, she came back to me and she goes, I haven't felt this beautiful in a long time. Thank you. And I was thinking to myself, she still has the broken nose. She still has the, 
the damage around her eyes. It's just you gave her a different perspective, something to, different to look at where somebody cared. You, you gave you, you just shifted her perspective instead of, you know, hate to love or hurt to, you know, to heal. And that has fueled me to continue to do this now almost a decade. So essentially, this is really art therapy that you're doing. It would be sort of craft therapy because it's more of a craftsmanship type of work. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and it's amazing when you help others, how much it helps yourself. I've done very minimal work for our community, but what it's done for me, it it has been amazing. So it's been therapeutic for both ends, I believe. So tell us a little bit about the uh, Heart to Hands campaign. This is something that's very special to me. One of the reasons why I decided to go ahead and and begin this was because of our condition of our of our country. Okay, so the Hearts to Hand is a precious campaign that I began with the idea of of helping the the gentlemen that are going to be deployed. So I have an event that is going to be taking place October 23rd at um, Dobbins Air Force Base. I was invited there with the Gary Sneed Foundation and other wonderful um, supporters of our community for a family event that they're going to have in honor of the families and and their precious sacrifice that they do to be without their father or mother. So the hearts to hand is really to go ahead and help me donate 600 books that I would, I would love to donate more. I've already pre-ordered, pre-purchased, and uh, hopefully we'll be receiving the 600 soon. But the hearts to hand is to make sure that our men um, are out there. And, uh, and soon, you know, we'll do the same thing for, for our women because my sequel is coming up. It's about the mother, uh, you know, being absent from the child's life. So right now, because I'm focusing on the men, because of the daddy book that we have in front of us, is why this is going to focus on them. Okay. Well, great. So tell us a little bit a little bit about the book, which is titled I Will Always Be Right Here. Can you share a little bit more about the book? And I think once you do that, it'll make sense exactly why you're needing the 600 books as part of the Heart to Hands campaign. So the book is is precious to my heart because I was that child that grew up without a dad. So this book was, I think at some point in my writing, I think like all artists, we self-heal within our own work. And so it was very healing to my heart, you know, to because I grew up without a father. But I grew up seeing um, some of my classmates with such a good dad who would pick them up from school, you know, who would, who would just do everything, ball practice and things like that. So I grew up seeing the efforts of other great fathers. My book is really in honor of those men that work so hard to be in their child's life and that are taken away for any reason, you know, for employment. And then now we talked about uh, deployment, you know, with, with the hearts to hands. We're talking about, unfortunately, you know, separation or divorce. I mean, I'm divorced. And so my child is also affected by this. And she has a great relationship with her father. So that's important to, to me because it makes her happy. And then the worst loss would be that of losing someone to death. So my book is so broad and so open. It's just, it doesn't really specify a loss, just the fact that you, such a you know precious individual, is missing from that child's life. How can you fortify them? Because this book and the sequel was created 
I thought about when my wings were broken, when I was scared, what did I need to hear? Or what did I hear somebody else tell my classmates? And so this book is never going to replace or fill the gaps, but remind the child that you can do this, that you are not alone and that you are loved and you are, and people believe in you. Like the father in this case believes in the child's ability to proceed and succeed through its challenges. Yeah. And, and you're doing something, uh, something else with the book as well. It's going to be in English and Spanish, but also what other types of media is the, uh, is the book going to be available in? And why did you go to the, I don't want to say extra trouble, but I guess it sort of is you, you've put this book together in uh, different media uh, formats. Can you tell us a little bit about why you did that as well? First off, which ones and, and then why? Well, of course, English, it's, it's my, even though it's my second language, it's my primary language. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. you know, but Spanish is the, the language of my heart. It moves me in, in, in ways that other languages thus far have not. And so, of course, you know, I had to speak to my heart and, and do that in Spanish. But also, I have been very blessed to have wonderful people around me with different circumstances. And one of those circumstances, I, you know, have been deafness and they've been blindness due to their deafness. Or I had a friend who got sick and, and lost his sight at age five. So it was an honor of them that I produced it also in um, sign language and in ASL, but also an honor, I guess, my grandparents. Uh, my grandmother was illiterate. And so I think that we've, we've talked about that in the past. And so because my grandmother was illiterate, I don't have any memories of her reading to me. And I don't have, and my mom doesn't mention any of them either. So I didn't want someone who's in this position in, in this country or other countries that are affected by this to, to be a barrier that would um, exclude them from spending this time with, with their grandchild, their child, or their loved one, period. So it is in Braille. It's an American Sign Language and audiobook format, both in English and in uh, Spanish then. Yes, that's correct. Because, you know, if you look at the information, I was astonished at how many people are illiterate in our country. It is, it is astonishing. And so I thought to myself, you know, instead of bringing shame, let's bring an avenue, let's bring a, let's bring a bridge as opposed, like I said, as opposed to a, an obstacle. Right. Because yes, it is, um, you know, Still, easily 10% of Americans have limited uh, literacy. That's, that's very important and something that's often overlooked. One of the themes after reading your book and, and after, along with this conversation is one of hope. And even though the book deals with potentially a very, di- very difficult issue, it's still very hopeful. You know, hope is one of the best predictors uh, of success. What is your feeling uh, and what are your thoughts about instilling hope in children? And, and why do you see that as something that's so important? Oh my goodness. You know, just by mere definition, hope, this, this four letter word, it has such a powerful meaning. It's expecting 
something to happen in the future, of course, or trust. And the kids, they are our future. So if and we have to trust that if we invest enough in them, we're all going to have a good future, but particularly, you know, our future generations. So to me, it was or it is extremely important that our kids get their fundamentals, that they know that they're supported, that even though they're in a in a situation that they were put in without, I don't know how to say this, the, the circumstances are not ideal or they didn't choose these circumstances, that they can go through this, that we trust as a community, as individuals, as people who are onlookers, as people who who may have the privilege of being in their surroundings as teachers, uh, mentors, coaches, friends, friends to the family, as, as whatever role we play, that we have enough trust and enough hope that our kids are going to make it through, that we believe in them. And when they feel so tired, may this belief push them forward because that's what it did to me. So I'm not reinventing the wheel. I am just sharing what has made me, me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what yeah. I, the thing about a gift is, is the one that you share with others is the best gift in the world, you know? So I was given something and instead of keeping it all to myself, my desire is to share the same formula that created me. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, I, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but as we mentioned, you know, I migrated from a different country mm-hmm. and um, I was seven years old. And the teachers that were patient and that um, waited for me to go ahead and, and and just click for Spanish and English to just click. I wish you would have been there. It was such an amazing ordeal. It was so fun. Um, they bribed me with cookies and milk and, <laughs> you know, pictures. But that's when I saw the effort in the heart of our teachers. That's Mm -hmm. when I saw that, yes, I wanted to communicate with you. Yes, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. Because my life had just switched, you know, I mean, had just turned upside down. My parents were were talking about not an ideal situation, right? Uh, My uh, parents had separated because my mother was fleeing from domestic abuse. So um, she had left him prior to that. And, and he was just, I guess, just really charming. And um, she would end up in the same situation. So this last time, my mom fled to a different country. That was her fear for her children because she brought us with her. And that was her fear for herself. So we went to a different country. So coming to the States, being raised here, I'm going to tell you as a, as a foreigner who was in that situation, it is not only a privilege an honor, but it is a blessing. It is a real blessing to be, to be raised here in the melting pot and to have, like I said, my teachers spend the extra time, draw pictures and connections and, and, and do the, the phonics. And <laughs> so I'm telling you, I, I have such respect and such love for our teachers. It's kind of funny. You should go there because I was going to ask about uh, your perspective on the difference between uh, between schools uh, uh, here and in, and in Mexico, but I think you've you've really talked about that and talked about what sometimes we in the education business you know sometimes forget because it is so hard to remember when you've got 
testing and this and this and this. And, right. and here you are talking about how important it was for your uh, teachers to take the time and be creative. Do you have any more thoughts for our teachers uh, who are listening about your yeah. experience having seen uh, two different types of educational systems? Most certainly, please know that you are valued and appreciated beyond words, beyond barriers of, of, of language and culture and borders and life experiences, what you do makes such a difference. Because there was times that my life was so unstable, but school was my safe place. I look forward to going to school because it was the only place that one expected reasonable expectations of me <laughs> you know I'm the oldest of seven so I, I can't fly yet I haven't managed to do that sometimes when I just didn't have the strength to do one more day one more step one more I remembered everybody who invested in me my teachers my community my friends my church family and you know what for that one second I was able to forget how heavy my load was and take the next step. So to our dear teachers and, and anybody in our community who, who looks at our kids as future investments into this precious country that we call our home, um, that is diverse in, in, in color, in culture, in, in traditions, that is the melting pot of the world. To all of you, there are no words that I can express that I believe have been created or, or exist in any language that will convey how grateful and how appreciative I am that you took the time in me and this is why I'm taking the time in others. But if you were to change my life, I can't imagine what you've done for so many others. That's so well said. Something that uh, oftentimes people in our profession do not hear enough of. So thank you for that. Once again, thank you, Asela, for joining us today on the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast. The book is I Will Always Be Right Here, and we will have a link on our website for how to order and how you can contact Asela as well. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me here. It's such a pleasure. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is brought to you as a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. If you would like to learn more about how we help schools and youth organizations embed social-emotional learning within their cultures and implement strength-based restorative interventions, please visit our website, www.oncoursesolutions.net. This has been Episode 9 of the Fall 2022 Season. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please tell all your friends and colleagues about it, either in person or using social media. We also greatly appreciate positive reviews on the podcast app you use. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is hosted and produced by R. Scott Lee, who retains copyright. We encourage diverse opinions 
However, opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of producer, partners, or underwriters. Guests are never compensated for appearance, nor do guests pay to appear. Transcripts are available following podcast publication at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Sponsorship opportunities or other inquiries may be made on the Contact Us page at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Please follow the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast on Twitter at Dr. R. Scott Lee or on Facebook at facebook.com thoughtfulteacherpodcast. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.